Returning to the office, once again, Matt and I found the newspapers had piled up outside our door. The headlines were the same as they ever were in this town. Millionaires kidnapped, strange murders that couldn't be explained, and cat burglars who wouldn't quit. Despite the looming presence of the Batman and Robin, criminals seemed to flourish and thrive like never before. Maybe our approach with Superman could help us here. Maybe tailing Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson would lead to some entertaining discoveries. The next day, we drove out to Wayne Manor to get a look. Well, as good a look as we could get from the outside gate. Hi, my name's John. And I'm Matthew. And we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible finish. And John, before we proceed any further, <laughs> let's just get this out of the way so that I don't fall into the trap of being the, the host who belittles you for it. Just briefly describe. Just describe to get it out of the way. I am wearing a Flash onesie that has a hood built into it that has the flash mask and little flash lightning bolts. Don't act like you're not jealous. And clarify exactly what you mean by onesie. Is this oh, in fact full, the kind of like uh, it doesn't long... Have, it's not feety it, pajamas, but it's got like... I, I have to get my whole body into it. Like like a workman's like, you know, mechanic onesie. This is, this it is, is full... everything except for the... For the footies yeah. and the bum flap. This, this is, yeah, there's no footy pajamas or a long john uh, poop flap. But yeah, this is uh, this is what I'm wearing right now. And it is comfortable as all get out, I will have to, I have to say. I'm entirely willing to believe it. We gotta get you one. Nope. Nope. It was... Did, did you hear the restraint in my voice when that was all that I did? When I gave you the opportunity to describe it without saying, Hi, I'm the one wearing pants in this room. I could have done that. I thought about doing that. I respect our listeners, our gumshoes, our detectivites too much for that. Uh, I'm gonna get you a Batman one. With that like a be... cape. And like, it's got like a cape attached to it. Seriously? Do you not want that? Did I just sell you in, like, three no, seconds? No, no, I'm... It was tempting to imagine going to, as that if, for if Halloween, the listeners, but, uh, If the listeners say that they want you wearing a Batman one, If you, you can get it? ten listeners saying that that's a good idea, then alright, fine. Alright, everybody, here's what we gotta do. <laughs> we gotta make this happen, because I'm planning on wearing this every time. Now. No. Yeah? No. No. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, sir. I'm not... You are not my real dad. Anyway, <laughs> uh... So, we're about to start... Oh, boy. So, we've done, we've done a couple issues of Superman recently, and thankfully we're done with that now. We're oh switching back over to Batman. Can we just call this the Bill Finger Writes Whatever the Hell He Wants episode? Good sweet Christ, Bill Finger. <laughs> like, it's not unenjoyable reads it's not it's, it's not anywhere as good as like the wonder woman issues that we read or some of the good sandman stuff but it it's just tonally a consistent yeah there's a lot happening in detective comics number 30 1940 the may issue i just we're going back to to the asian themes here and no one told bill finger that that wasn't okay so uh we're gonna keep moving quickly just to you know keep the pace going again there's not really a lot of good stuff here until we get to some of these joker and catwoman stories and i am excited about those i have some jokes saved up uh oh, first no. of all however 
Can we talk about the Hatchetman story? We can. I actually, that wound up being like the bulk of my research. Probably yeah, did like I did like 33% little, of my I did notes. a little bit of research too because I'm lazier than you. Uh, <laughs> but I also had the advantage of a podcast that I listened to dealt exactly with kind of this right. stuff. So. It's also raining a lot outside, so if you can hear the rain, that just it's atmosphere. So Batman reads about two millionaires being kidnapped and one of the chauffeurs being hatcheted in the face and i mean no blood no No blood blood. but we see a legit hatchet in face here and we'll see it again yeah and um bruce obviously says it must be chinese hatchet men to which i'm going that can't be a thing and to my surprise it really was i wasn't able to find what the hatchet really looked like in general or if there was a standard hatchet used by the but hatchet men. Regardless, Chinese hatchet men were a thing, uh, primarily in America, uh, surrounding tongs, which mm-hmm. are essentially clubhouses or like town halls for Chinatown situations. The, the tongs, depending on colloquially, they tended to be associated with what we would think of now as the triads, right? Uh, but certainly, they started the out idea being was like adult a, YMCA's kind of a thing, and then they like became breeding grounds or at least mm-hmm. meet-up places for triad. Kind of, it's the same path as every other immigrant group has, right. where you come in, here's our fellowship, and maybe that fellowship needs a way to fund itself. Right, the, like the Italian-American mafia had the Italian-American Federation, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. So Bruce dresses up like Batman, leaves Robin at home, because no need for a young gentleman friend when you go out to Chinatown to see Wong, the unofficial mayor of Chinatown. Hey, Wong's back! Uh, and we get really excited for... All of three pages. That maybe. many? Maybe, no, a page. All of a page, and then Wong is murdered brutally by other Chinese hatchet men who look strangely like Mongolians. Which actually makes a degree of sense just because the uh, the Jurchen tribes would have effectively been the ruling right. caste up until like 40 years before. Right. But by this point, China was ruled by ethnic Chinese, uh, Han Chinese again. Right. Well, um, I like to also of, think that this Ruby for... Idol here is the Ruby Idol from the Ruby Idol story. Well, was, yeah, Wong was in that, and then they had the, they had Sin Fang. Wong tells him to meet Sin Fang. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's who he goes because he goes to Wong because Wong is a reputable man mm-hmm. in Chinatown, so he trusts him. So that might actually be the Ruby Idol. That would actually be highly entertaining. Little continuity Just there on display. Yeah, he's he's keeping it for you know safekeeping. Robin obviously. Uh, get, has to get to the fray, so he's been helping Batman chase down these Chinese hatchet men. Robin gets, you know, in a bind and kidnapped and brought to this weird thing, this weird cult of Asian men who are gonna kidnap these millionaires and try and kill Robin. And they, like, make Robin fight with a wooden sword against, like, a giant Mongolian who has a real sword. And Robin beats him up because he's Robin and he's good at stuff. And thank God. And then Batman shows up and kills uh what is it uh five people it's a large number of people that he one... just drops a statue he on. drops a statue on five people and kills them and i was like whoa oh, okay um we're starting out strong here you're trying to catch up to superman or something but he beats the senses out of uh this other triad boss and like oh gosh he just brutalizes all these poor asian american men well not poor so much because they were all terrible and kidnapping millionaires mm-hmm. Trying to frame it on, you know, regular mobs because they figured they wouldn't look at Chinese men. But regardless, it's a very uncomfortable story about Bruce Wayne beating up Asian Americans. And that's it. No, no, no. You're, <laughs> you're glossing over a couple very important things. The first that I want to talk about is 
when he's going, when he's giving the parlor speech, when he's going through, here's how I figured everything out. Not once does he mention the fact that Wong is the one who actually cracked the case wide open. Right. And Wong is the one who said, hey, some shit might be going down and you should come check it out. Right. Uh, and Wong is the one who puts down the address that turns out to be the base of this Green Dragon Triad. Right. A little bit, of a, a little bit of a Da Vinci's Code moment where he scratches it into the into the desk, and you know yes. Batman reads it out. Of been there. a long time since I read that book. Uh, and but we also get these weird sort of moments of Asian people saying like Batman's a great person because he rid he rid our community of opium and stuff, and just like Wong did stuff too. Yeah, like Wong. There, was there is no mention of Wong in this last little bit, and that bugs me. Uh, yeah. All right. So first off, go back to the cover. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll address oh, that. So there's the pinup, which just, we're just going to leave as written. That'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, right on the cover. Ding. Yeah, he's punching a dude off that steel beam. Yeah. Right off the edge. There's no way for him to. It's not a story, but it's, yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I have to imagine that that one's going to end poorly for Oh, that of guy. course, yeah. Yeah. Well, one way or another. Uh, there are two potential dings on the cover of the story that don't that won't end well. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of bad Batman jibes. Like, he's just doing the cracking wise all the time. It's and too I'm, much now. It's too much. It's too much, and it's too much bad. Like, Peter Parker's at least good, because the thing about Peter Parker cracking wise is it's always thematic. Right. It's always jokes about octopi and arms with Doc Ock, stuff like that. This is just, it is utterly applicable to any bad guy. Uh, and I think... You know what it is applicable to? Hmm? Sports. A lot of yeah. sports analogies. Oh, a lot yeah, of bowling yeah, yeah. analogies. Yeah, a yeah. lot of perfect sets. A lot of, like, baseball jokes. It's really weird. Like, Bill Finger likes to make odd sports analogies as Batman's, like, shit-talking. Yeah. It's really weird. The The way I have it written down is that this feels like, because it's all generic and kind of non-sequitur at times, I have it written down as Peter Parker as written by the Family Guy writers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty, that's, yeah. Cutting back up, so, obviously, there's, this is the kind of story that could have happened with any group, uh, right. but they chose to use a bit of Chinese theming on it, so, quick little bit of note, highly recommend uh, Laszlo Montgomery's uh, China History Podcast. He's got a great series on the Tong Wars of, specifically of New York's Chinatown. Mm -hmm. This was, like early 1900s late 1800s so a fair bit before this but still you can kind of get a feel for what their what bit of pop culture history knowledge or made up understanding uh billfinger is drawing on in the writing of this right uh so i highly recommend that and it's worth noting that all of the characters all of the chinese characters that we see in here are dressed very stereotypically chinese uh, with the possible exception of the lady who's telling the lady her kid. a little bit, yeah, yeah but it, they're, they're ethnically of, stereotyped like, with their garb. Yeah, whereas if you look at the actual unofficial mayors of Chinatown, at least in like the early 1900s, when Tom Lee was the leader of the, uh, I think the Hipsung Tong, uh, one of, one of the Tongs was uh, sort of connected enough that its leader was the unofficial leader of China, Chinatown mm -hmm. and dressed all in Western clothes. At his funeral, everybody in Western clothes, so stop othering people. Yay. Yeah. As we move towards Detective Comics, number 40, June 1940. 
uh, we get another arch villain for uh, Batman. Some of another one of Batman's rogues gallery gets to have his first appearance. It's Clayface. Basil Carlo is a silent film star who has now been taken off this picture that apparently Bruce Wayne's fiance Julie Madison, hey, who we will occasionally hear about. Look who's occasionally. back. Occasionally, look who's back. Uh, making a guest star appearance in this issue here. Uh, Julie's been brought on to this new film. Basil Carlo is, you know, showing up, saying, hey, good job, take on the, the role to the next actor. And as we see the movie continue to be filmed, uh, people are being threatened. Someone ends up actually being killed. And Batman decides to be uh, on the scene to investigate who, what's happening here because he doesn't want anything bad to happen to Julie. And it seems like a mystery person named Clayface is killing these people. And... As we watch Batman sort of follow the trail of clues, it ends up being a sort of a Scooby-Doo climax where they mask, they unmask Basil Carlo, who's got just a ton of makeup on his face, and calling himself Clayface and trying to kill all these people off for having him having been ousted on the film. It's pretty standard. That's usually what happens with Clayface, except there's no him turning into a monster here. Mm. It's just. I'm mean using makeup and killing other actors and crew. So he got a little bit of Superman's uh, quasi-psychopathy plus the ability to manipulate his uh, his, his face, face yeah. just like Superman. Exactly. And at the end, it's just, you know, Carlo's arrested and is taken away. And it's really weird. Like, the director's like, I want to put the two of you, like Batman and Robin, in my movie. And they're like, no thanks. And Julie's just like, oh... You know, those are a pair of real heroes, and I don't mean real. Ho ho! Like it's real, oh, God, like real right. and real. R e r e a l and r e e l. Oh, good puns. And we'll occasionally see uh, Bruce get denigrated by Julie in favor of Batman. Yeah, trying for a little bit of that. I, I think it must be a response to the Superman Lois Lane relationship. And it's just, eh, it's half-assed. It, it, have, it would have more often. spine to it if Julie showed up enough. Yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to call out from that, and two things I want to call out specifically from that issue. First is, oh god, the art. Oh yeah, the, the art. Is, the inking I don't know is if it's horrific. I don't because... know if it's the inking or our copy of this. I don't know. This is the most used copy of this that we've gotten. So I don't know if this is just bad printing, bad I'd inking, be willing or whatever. To believe it's bad inking, just because specifically everybody's face is not inked beige, yeah. it's just flat white. It's, it's and, not good here. And also, one thing that we'll see more frequently throughout is that, especially for characters' faces, I don't think the lines are thick or sharp enough. Yeah, some of them so, are, are not outlined enough. So, what even, like, the the features within the face. So, for somebody whose eyes aren't especially, like, wide open, like a tough-looking gumshoe, it, their face is just kind of a... A chunk of beige with, with some lines. light sketching on it right. instead of, oh, here is a face and the features defined on it. The other thing I want to call out that I found extremely just weird, uh, flip around a little bit. There's a section where uh, the director is saying, oh, I'm glad that you're protecting, uh, I'm, I'm glad that you're looking out for Julie's interests uh, and being worried about her. Uh all right, take Julie home, but be careful. She is valuable property, not only to me, but to you, eh? Ha, ha. Yeah. 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 Julie and, has very few lines and, and in this entire God, just story. the reaction. Like, I, I can't tell she if that was afraid. intended, but it, yeah, no, it's just she like, looks a, what feared. the fuck? Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, I have just literally written down as one of my notes uh, the emoticon of <gasps> yeah. just colon, circle. Yeah, it's it's pretty... It's pretty bad. Also, something yep. I want to point out 
the picture studio that Julie is working at is Argus. Argus Wait, Studios. <laughs> so for those of you uh, not that know, Argus is an organization within DC Comics that is led by Amanda Waller, which stands for Advanced Research Group Uniting Superhumans. Superhumans is super hyphen human, so they don't need the Argus. Is, uh, is that the case in comics continuity as well? Yeah. Uh, I didn't Steve realize Trevor, that, uh, Candy, was doing uh, that. And uh, I believe Dr. Light used to be a part of it at one point or another. This is basically what mm-hmm. Steve Trevor is a part of after having dealt with Wonder Woman and then being taken off her, her case. Um, and it's also Argus in the Arrow show. Yeah. So, which uh, sure John Diggle used to be a part of there. and his wife, is, or wife, ex-wife, depending on where you are in the show, is... Uh, also still a part of. So just a little funny thing that I think Argus Pictures is a front for Amanda Waller to scope people out. I don't know. How Maybe. awesome would that be? It's a front, <laughs> but it's not a very good one because everyone knows that Argus is a thing. Detective Comics, number 41, July 1940. This is a murder mystery at a children's school that Robin... It's it's like Hound of the Baskervilles... Where, like, Robin is pretty much the central character it in actu- this. There is actually a, a different Sherlock Holmes story that starts very similar where one uh, teacher has been murdered and a child is missing from a fancy school for boys. Right. And I was I was more saying How of the Baskervilles in the sense that it's it's sidekick-centric. Because How of the Baskervilles is primarily Watson. Ah, it's that been a long story. time since I read that one. And hmm. Holmes is observing him from afar. And this is pretty much the same thing where Robin is doing pretty much all the legwork for this case. And reporting to Batman with his mm-hmm. belt wireless, which is cool. Um, a little bit of new gear showing up in these issues. And it's a straight murder mystery. Somebody gets killed and someone and a child gets kidnapped and robbed. And there are five different in. suspects. Yeah, and, and they even we'll have a whole page where they like, or a big panel where they're like, who do you think it is? So I'm like, you can't do that if you're not going to let us like vote or say because <laughs> you're going to tell me in like three pages. Mm. But it's it's pretty straightforward and pretty easy to, to go through. It's interesting it's the most detective-y thing batman's ever really done but at the same time robin does it and not batman so hmm. also uh somewhere in here they specifically it's specifically referred to as the very fashionable school for boys yeah like young, young fancy gentlemen's club honestly all i could think about was that has to be like the setting for a yaoi starring a young david bowie yes um, and what is up with the perspective on this cover? Yeah, it's it's pretty weird. Uh, Batman and Robin are tabletopping some goon here. Batman number two. It is the summer issue of 1940. Bruce, tiny arm, Wayne. Yeah, it's like Bruce is doing the Heisman and pushing a oh, dude yeah. over Robin who's tabletopping him. It's, it seems very juvenile. We get a Joker issue right here. So Joker is... Oh, God, this was really weird to me. Joker's alive, and there this is being reported in The Herald of whatever city this is in presumably new york bruce gets all the newspapers because he's a highfalutin fancy type mm. and everyone knows that the joker is alive but bruce is saying you know what i want to do i want to take joker out of jail bring him to a doctor that i know who could do an operation on him to make him a good productive member of society and i'm like Are and, you gonna nurture- they, and 60 years later there will be an entire plot line about how batman is the only person who didn't agree to something like that exactly also did he just suggest to nurse ratchet him i what one flew over the cuckoo's nest can't oh, see yeah. that's what they do well spoilers for a 40 50 year old book 
the main character in that book gets well one of the main characters mm-hmm. gets a lobotomy and they, yeah, that's how they it, deal it with would him be ar- I, I could make an argument that that was more of taking somebody out rather than trying to actually cure them but, but this uh, would do that that was well, how that was what they said would make you productive there's nothing that they mm-hmm. can do to make him productive it's Bruce Wayne Bruce yeah, Wayne sure. can find a doctor who can actually fix somebody but that's still coercive fixing right I just one I like the another... idea of Bruce in a nurse ratchet outfit kind of like Heath Ledger is the Joker in that nurse outfit just like Batman in that nurse outfit with the with the wig on going like it's okay Joker I've got you now <laughs> uh, yeah alright yeah that, this is what happens just I know what your Christmas present is now is a picture of that maybe of Batfleck <laughs> Batfleck dressed like that perfect so, of course, some criminals get the idea that they would have a better off, uh, they'd be better off with the Joker leading their gang, so they decide to also break him out of the hospital while he's apparently under surgery getting healed. Is Clarify that... what the group of criminals is. Oh, God. The Crime Syndicate. That's their name. No, no, no. Crime Syndicate, Inc. Yeah, Crime Syndicate Incorporated. <laughs> they have an incorporation. They have business cards and probably good health. And, and they all just look like complete putches. Right. They all, they all say, like, uh, here we go. Uh, I'll have some gum, mother, to relax my noibs. Yep. Yeah, it's yep. they they all talk phonetically bad. So it's it's perfect. They also get some dude who is like an ex circus guy, an ex con to dress up like Batman and throw the cops off, who then gets killed and everyone's like, Oh my god, did Batman die? Nope. And Batman, of course, is watching the criminals take Joker away, but finds Catwoman's watching the criminals also take the Joker away. It's not really clear what Catwoman's actually doing at a hospital. Of all the places she could be at a hospital doesn't make any sense. Dressed up like an old woman selling gum. Like, the only thing I can think of is that she got word that Joker was going to be involved and Joker was going to go after those jewels at the same time. Right. And she was scoping out, like, okay, what's his actual plan? Yeah. But that's all I got. Right. So you've got that occurring. And then you've also got this instance where they, you know, Batman questions her and lets her go. And she says, fine, all right. And then leaves. And he goes, good thing I've got that radioactive substance on the floor of the car. That'll help us. Check on the Catwoman's whereabouts. And I'm going, alright guys, let's let's back up for a second. You've got a radioactive substance at the bottom of your car that is also on the bottom of your shoes that can't be healthy for either of you. The entire Batmobile is just like a walking Geiger counter problem. And it's also got it on the tires, apparently. Yeah, on the tires. To later issue. Yeah, we're... Like, the like, best they... I can come up with is that it's some very low radioactivity uh, isotope, like something that... But there's uh, a, that's a but lot yeah. of it. That's a lot to coat the entire floor of the bad yeah. car. And then, like, the tires, as well as our own shoes. Yeah, like, microwaves may not actually be uh, higher or all that damaging, but I wouldn't want to put my feet over a microwave and just, like... Frequently. I wouldn't want... Like, to, every night. I wouldn't want to... Uh, I wouldn't want to roast my feet over radioactive substances constantly. Correct. So Batman and Robin, of course, stop the Joker from stealing more jewels again. And uh, they have a Catwoman who's also there while the Joker is trying to steal the same jewels. Specifically wearing like, the exact same costume as the lady who wears evening clothes. Yeah, the lady in evening clothing. It's a little bit of the same, except it's a little bit less conservative. Yeah. The lady in evening clothes... Uh, skirt does not or gown does not go past her knees that's true it's it's the same like hood right catwoman's her little uh, her babushka hood or whatever it is (laughs) but it's um a situation of like two thieves going after the same thing batman and robin show up to try and stop them and of course batman gets kind of knocked out of the window so robin's trying to fend off the joker and catwoman tries to save robin and then we have the joker being left in a burning building while they both save while batman and robin save catwoman 
And as they disappear into the night, Catwoman drops off the rope ladder from the bat plane and jumps into the water to escape. And that's pretty much it. Now, just in case we hadn't already made it clear that we've entered silly territory, yeah. there's a point in here where Batman has Joker dead to rights and says, well, let's make it a duel, grabs two swords off and the like, mantelpiece and hands him one. Yeah. We have entered silly central, my now friends. Now he wants to fight and like prove who's best. That's not yeah. Batman Th- This me. is 66 Batman. Right. The next story is a bit of a heavy-handed metaphor. Um, a man... His last name is Lamb. He's reading a book about the crime master, bumps his head, and then, I guess, turns into the crime master at night, calling himself the wolf. Batman and Robin get wind of this and try and stop him. It's not really at all uh, spectacular or at all entertaining. It's a Jekyll and Hyde story. Also, Batman kind of kills him. And it's really strange that they kind of let this happen, where he wasn't gonna die until like they kind of let him like there's this weird like he punches him down the stairs Mm -hmm. batman didn't have to do that i'm willing to accept that it was accidental in this case but But still it's it's not it's it's too dicey for me to ignore so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna count that as a body count but it's at least thematically important to the story right it it's not just he bumps his head casual death right he bumps his head falling down the stairs and remembers everything that happened, but as he's dying, he's like, please forgive me. And I'm like, you kind of murdered a bunch of people, and the person you're asking to forgive you is not the person who really you should be asking forgiveness from. So, that's just a strange story to me. Uh, the next story, uh, Batman and Robin stop a murderer killing off heirs to a fortune. It's This is special. absolutely a Sherlock Holmes story. Yeah. We're going to see this again and again. Uh, it's either bizarre science fiction or it's a Sherlock Holmes story. Right. They're really trying to do this greatest detective thing. And it's it's weird because also the villain has like a club foot for no reason. And then they're like, he's got a club foot and a hook. And it's also a dude pretending to be a guy who has a club foot and a hook who's a real criminal. I'm like, what, what, why would you have someone pretend to be the real criminal? Why not just make it the real criminal? Why go that extra mm. hoop? To make a guy framing a real criminal who had a club foot and a hook. Because it made it feel like a twist. Right. It, just... Otherwise, it wouldn't have been a detective story. Oh, boy. This next one. Yep. Batman and the Missing Link. Right off the bat, Batman kills like ten people on this train. Mm-hmm. He kicks a bunch of pygmies off the top of the Metropolis Limited. I did notice that. And so... for the record, I understand that pygmy may be a pejorative... We don't have a better word. Tribesmen. So I'm, I'm viewing yeah. it as pygmy tribesmen, not calling these people pygmy. Like, they don't look particularly small or diminutive. It's more or less they're, these men are... They're pro- a little bit short. It, it is worth noting that apparently the generally accepted classification for what you could call a pygmy would be any any ethnic group where the men are less than 4 foot 11. Okay. On average. Yeah, they are supposed to be African pygmies, and Batman kicks a bunch of them off of this train... On the Metropolis Limited, and he's like, boy, when there's African pygmies about, Batman will sure want to see what the hell that's about. And I'm just like, really? That's The, the line specifically, oh god, th- this line sums up everything that we're going to see for yeah. the rest of the issue. Here we go, here we go. Well, sir, when the Batman sees African pygmies walking on top of a railroad car, it means something queer is going on. And that means I'm investigating. Just, that is the summary of every issue, every tone everything that we see for this entire era was just things are gonna just pull in a bunch of he's got a bunch of business card i feel like that's got to be on a business card somewhere it's like batman if there's african pygmies on your railroad car i'll be there it's like it's like the tom jode speech it's like whenever there's a poor man who 
ain't getting a raw deal or a child has hunger in their belly. I'll be there, Ma. It's it's a Sherlock Holmes story. Um, but yeah, this whole story is Batman finds a scientist who has found a missing link man who's just like a giant human being. And the guy wants to kind of study him and teach him how to speak English to like learn from him. And of course, he the scientist is killed and the missing link man is sold to a circus. Good circuses! We haven't had enough of those. And you know what happens at this circus? A lion gets out things are on fire or something and like a a, 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 a cage gets thrown at somebody so elf. i don't think that's actually a fire i think that's oh, meant it's just to the be way the people the are audience drawn. yeah robin gets thrown towards a trapeze this cage gets ripped apart i mean like just pandemonium robin is probably having the most ptsd right now because the last time we saw him at a circus his parents died you know you'd think that but every time since that i've seen uh, dick grayson portrayed at a circus it's been like a coming home experience right and then also batman which honestly would have been a much better more enjoyable character moment but this right. writing doesn't have time for character moments and then batman rather robin kills the missing link by smacking him in the back of the head with a sling and he falls off a girder and there goes the missing link so that's one for robin uh, first off, uh, this is the first time we're going to see this particular line. Bruce Wayne literally says, money is the root of all evil. Yeah. I mean, he says it, like, especially among those guys, but, yeah. Bruce, you own a mansion. He's clearly not as rich as Wesley Dodds, though, because he doesn't have a butler. Yeah. He doesn't have three True. butlers. You're right, you're Like right, Wesley you're right. Dodds. <laughs> one vaguely ethnic one and two hugely elderly white men. I wish we'd gotten more of God, the I wish. early... I wish we had more Sandman. Sandman this makes me long for Sandman. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, thing worth noting. Uh, always remember that the term missing link in evolution, uh, we are not evolved from apes. We and apes are both evolved from a single ape-like creature Correct. that no longer exists because evolution is always going. Evolution is always going. It's not that there are different stages of evolution. We did not evolve from fish, even though there was something fish-like all the way back up there. We're not Pokemon. There's no in-between stage. We just got there. Like, that's really what it is. Like, the missing link is supposed to be the Pokemon in between, like, what we were and then missing link and then humans. That's not how that works. Also, (laughs) Also, specifically, just the idea that that whatever that intermediary step would be is something that existed in the past and does not exist anymore because it was subject to similar or different uh, evolutionary pressures that resulted in humans evolving. Correct. So, remember that. We did not evolve from apes. We and apes both evolved from something ape-like further back up in the tree. Correct. We share a great-great-grandparent. It is not that our great-great-grandparent happens to exist in another part of the universe. Correct. So... The New York World's Fair comic, number two, 1940 issue. Remember, folks, while Batman and Robin are at the New York World's Fair, Superman is stopping some diamond thieves with Lois Lane with a weird art shift, and the Sandman is with his girlfriend and her grandmother. And or aunt, aunt, what's her face? And, and, and Auntie Granny. God, it and that So me. that's what's happening here also. So there's a lot going on at the New York World's Fair in 1940, while Batman and Robin, also at this point, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, are just traveling about. Uh, Dr. Hugo Vrekel or Verkel? Dr. Hugo Vrekel. How is this guy not an alien in disguise? Right. Uh, is developing some sort of machine that will melt steel beams by shaking the molecules or something? It's not really clear. It doesn't really matter. Basically, at the end of the day, Batman and Robin stop these guys from... Melting using, bridges. Yeah, melting bridges, <laughs> basically. that's It's pretty standard, and it's also a shameless plug for the World's Fair. More oh, yeah. so than 
the Sandman was. Also, oh god, the gross Sandman bat was pretty plane. far up there. Yeah, we're gonna keep seeing plane. the bat plane looking like a an actual bat with like a bat head on the front, and also like not looking like that occasionally. Like it's yeah. really weird how they're inconsistent with how the bat plane should look. Yeah. So yeah, one way or another, it's not a good. It's more of a shameless design. plug because it's just so out the, and out as opposed. Right to... Right at the end, there's more mugging for the camera. Right. It's just a little bit worse in my opinion. Also, the guy uh, Hugo Vrico kind of looks like Gargamel to me from the Smurfs. Huh. I actually never watched that. Uh, he but looks, he does have uh, specifically general... in this in this panel right here where he kills himself because he doesn't want to be taken alive. He kind of has a weird Gargamel feel to me. I don't know. That's just. Uh, I believe it. Yeah. It's certainly his. Uh, his face, his skeletal structure looks a little bit more classic wizardy. Right. Um, Detective Comics number forty two, August nineteen forty. This one was actually kind of my favorite of these, the the paintings one. Um, so there's a, yeah. a new foreign painter who's painting all the portraits of rich socialites in the city, and uh, everyone who has a painting painted by this man gets killed in some way after the painting is defaced the night before. So, it, and if it's defaced in the way, so someone has, like, rope put around the neck in their painting, and then they are hanged or choked the next night. And someone has a dart thrown in her neck, and she chokes during a singing performance. Things like that. And the very first one is someone sees that their painting has been stabbed, and they're like, what could this possibly mean? Mm-hmm. What is this message? What sad fantasy world do you live in that you don't understand that someone stabbing your painting is a threat on your life? Also, all the rich people in this city get knocked off pretty regularly. Yeah. It's a really dangerous city to live in if you're in the 1%. Either that or the 1% is like the yeah. 20%. Meanwhile, Wesley Dodds is just like, whatever, all my buddies are cool, except for <laughs> everybody who else who I know who dies. So, oh, also we get some really huge Bruce Wayne characterization where everyone, like, just hates Bruce. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks he's lazy, everyone thinks he's worthless. Like, this is my favorite here. Bored. Everything bores that fellow. If he ever got excited about anything, I think they would declare a national holiday. They say he's probably the laziest, most listless chap in our set. Like... I like that Bruce Wayne has, like, a shitty reputation, but the problem is is that Bruce Wayne and Batman are neither strong enough characters for that to be, like, a clever disguise. Versus Clark and uh, Superman are very different individuals, so it's kind of a bit more jarring to see the two, but this is, like, Bruce is also kind of a, you know, schmuck, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Long story short, the person who is also killing off these individuals is the guy who bought a primary amount of the work from this artist when he was in his old country so he's trying to jack the price up of the guy's work which is pretty much worthless at this point until everyone starts dying from his work and that's really it he's just trying to game this the artistic system the one thing that i found interesting about i like this... i like his villain outfit though oh it's actually yeah it's it's, it's, it's a scooby-doo it's... bad guy but yeah it's yeah, cool it's, it's a little bit too uh it's a green you bought it from a from a yeah. halloween store it's a green skeleton man wearing a white beret and a purple trench coat with a bow and arrow i think the beret is the bit that the could beret. really make it almost work <laughs> yeah, it really but, does. uh one thing that's interesting is right at the beginning of this one the when Bruce is like, I'm going to have to go to this artistic exhibit and just see what it is. He uses the phrase, putting on the dog. Yeah. Which I did some research, <laughs> and it turns out, like, that's getting all dressed up, putting yeah. on the Ritz. Specifically putting on the dog, because apparently in, like, the late 1800s, I want to say, uh, students at Yale, the, the fashion was, like, if you're getting super ritzed up, super tight collars, super right, tight like high-necks collar. collars. Dog collars, putting on the dog. There so you now you know what to say the next time you're getting all dressed up. They don't teach you that in Yale Medical School. What? <laughs> what? Hi, Dan Avedon. What? <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke from 
I don't know, some Game Grumps. <laughs> also, for the record, I'm aware that I probably mispronounce puts all the time. Puts, puts, it doesn't really matter. Uh, Detective Comics, number 43, September 1940. Batman and Robin are on a road trip to a corruption town. And it's just Batman and Robin doing some really super awesome stuff like we saw them do in the first outing with Robin, where they're just messing up casinos, sending bats, exactly that, sending actually, bats yeah. in boxes, and doing all sorts of garbage to these mobsters and crooked cops. It's It's cut and dry but it's a fun little harken back to like remember when we used to like mess with bobsters and do all this cool stuff and now we fight jokers and missing link people we're out of our depth a little bit can we go back on the road to find a place that isn't so crazy for a bit and just it mess literally with that starts town? as a road trip yeah they're on a road trip for whatever reason um they don't really give but they just are on a road trip together and that's kind of neat uh but yeah that's it they just beat up all these corrupt guys and reinstitute a safe and non-corrupt police force in this town and then they get a statue yeah and it's a little bit of an odd looking statue just for some the facial structure of robin looks really weird yeah it's a little it's a little weird it's like they didn't quite look at the child when they made it yeah it's like hey he's a kid just make a make a kid face and that was it so I have two notes from this. The first, uh, turn to page 129. Bottom right corner, there is an expression that must be shared. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just oh, a, a guy getting choked out We're by... Not, we don't have any cocaine dandies in this, but we sure as, we sure as hell have some goofy faces it's happening. Like, it's like Warhead face. It's just, he's getting choked out by... He looks like he's by... laughing at a joke that only he finds funny. Uh, he, so he's, <laughs> he's said like, a lot of those jokes. <laughs> he reminds me of the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yeah, the yeah. That's what he's he kind of like. I like, slightly rolled back. Yeah, he's got the the tongue stick. It's ah, uh, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good, folks. The other Bob thing, Kane, you've done better. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that I want to bring up is, God damn it! If you're trying to set up a coup, you do not put out public notice calling for people to assemble later when you know that the repressive force of the state is ready to use violent action. They'll just immediately go after yeah. the ringleaders in the few hours before you assemble. You should instead be calling for an immediate assembly. God damn it, people. This is Coup 101. Yes. Batman Learn. and Robin try to, like, send some, like, friggin' flyers out to get, like, the good people of the city to come out. And I'm like, bro, someone bad's gonna find that. It's, it, it's the... <laughs> They don't have berets, they don't have, you know, like, a secret handshake. It's <laughs> yeah, all it's, sorts of bad stuff it, happening here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the Vox Machina thing of, yeah. well, we just burnt down a bunch of things and put, a, put up a sky right saying, rebel now. Yeah. What, should we just add an addendum saying, tomorrow actually, so, go yeah, back to sleep? Tomorrow uh, actually, not exactly yeah. at, near, that, at midnight that, tonight. That being said, like, I can, it, it is worth noting that any time that you are trying to put together any kind of plan in a D&D game, I, I have been there. Yeah. Planning is the hardest it, thing. It so 100%, like, as as people who are going in real time, those are absolutely the kind of mistakes that anybody makes in a D&D session. But Batman and Robin, you guys are professionals at restoring legitimate uh, social order to cities. You had time to plan this out. God damn it, this is coup 101. You dropped the ball, sir. Yes. Uh, so we're going to move to Detective Comics number 44, October 1940. Uh, Robin falls asleep and has a dream about giants and dwarves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't really think I can explain that any, any better than, uh, they go to the fourth dimension with Dr. Marco, whose name is spelled differently twice, uh, M-A-R-C-O and then M-A-R-K-O. Yeah, and then, I didn't uh, notice that. Yeah, they go to the fourth dimension with Dr. Marco, and they fight these fantastic creatures, and um, Robin wakes up realizing it was all just a dream. Yeah. 
Specifically, is, he wakes up right as things are about to go horribly this wrong. This reminds me of that X-Men story where they all go and, like, are playing, like, or they go to, like, the Barbarian world, and, like, the Avengers have, like, Barbarian counterparts and stuff like that. Oh, the, uh, when, I don't remember his name, but one of the magic dudes, uh, just completely screws over New York, yeah, and like, everything Captain is Captain America's, like, a Barbarian, yeah, yeah, and no, that Iron Man's, cool. like, a knight and stuff. It's yeah. all sorts of goofiness, but this is just really, really weird. That Except, face and, and is there very are, cartoony. Yeah, no, this is a giant cartoon. You gotta, ha- you gotta show this page because it's yeah. worth showing. It's, it's just all it's like weird. It's like fables started for no reason and no one told DC. Hmm. <laughs> Batman and Robin stumbled into the fables verse for no reason and just like didn't know how to get out until Robin woke up. Uh, Batman number three, the fall issue of 1940. This is something interesting here. Uh, Batman and Robin fight this guy called the Puppet Master who's using uh like a thought serum or brain serum to kind of control people by using these marionette puppets that he makes of them it's kind of like i a voodoo- actually like this plot yeah it's a, it's a voodoo doll sort of a situation it's very interesting um we see more cossacks because we can never have enough of those i suppose and it also became it was also a, a reasonable quick shorthand for foreign agents vague, of a possibly hostile vague, foreign yeah, power russian people or maybe possibly from you know the steps mm-hmm. we're not sure it doesn't matter they're not from here so Batman uh, fights his way through the situation, but at the same time also gets hit with the thought serum, and Robin has to, like, straight up save them. However, they do knock two guys off of a train here, and I'm going to count that as body count right mm-hmm. here. And then, you know, yeah, I really like that the the Puppet Master actually gets to... This is kind of a cocaine Yeah, face. no, there's some weird facial structure things going uh, on. But, yeah, the Puppet Master takes over Bruce and makes him dress up like Batman. Doesn't really know that he's Batman. He just says, Batman, go do this thing. And Bruce Wayne dresses up like Batman, steals a bunch of jewels. And Robin straight cold cocks Batman right in the face <laughs> and carries him off. He's like, this is for your own good. And I'm like, yeah, Robin, fucking take charge, bro. <laughs> so, and that's how they, like, beat the Puppet Master. Robin knocks him out of the hypnosis, uh, hypnosis and they beat him the puppet master and everyone's happy and the jewels go back because batman goes we have to return the jewels and i have to explain that i had you know mind control and i'm like yeah they'll believe that crazy <laughs> we actually do occasionally see moments where the cops the cop batman relationship is a little bit explored but very very yeah, minimal. Very uh one thing that i found especially interesting about that story actually the thing that the puppet master was trying to steal was a div- it was a device that would use atomic energy to... Yeah, it was to... like, it's like a, it it's a Voss gun. That's what they call it. And I think well, that's like no, a... there were two different ones. Yeah, there was there was initial thing that they were trying to steal that Batman foiled, and then trying to get a Voss rifle, which right. it didn't explain what it was. Yeah, it's, right? it's not important, but yeah, there is two items that they're trying mm-hmm. to steal, and one of them is just a, a formula for atomic energy. So what's, it's interesting to me, like... For whatever reason, growing up, I always thought that at this point in time, I mean, granted, you had the Manhattan Project, and even as early as, I want to say, 1939, uh, you had, I think that was the point where Einstein uh, sent the letter to uh, FDR saying, hey, by the way, this could be a really powerful bomb. You need to be aware that the Germans might get this. We should probably get it first. Uh, For some reason, I always assumed that the potential for atomic energy was something that really only academics and politicians yeah. were were thinking about. And it was just like general pop culture was just, ah, I don't know what the shit that is. Yeah, but, science things. Yeah, but even though the, the potential applications of atomic energy that we're seeing in these stories and in earlier Superman stories are completely incorrect, at yeah. least as far as 
these writers writers actually doable. Uh, But at the same time, the fact that pop culture was aware of the potential of atomic energy is actually really fascinating. I did not realize it was that sort of generally known that atomic energy was possible or a thing. And from that sort of a decent story, we go to the ugliest man in the world. This not, story. The story's really bad for a lot of reasons. Yep. There's a man who's made ugly at a college frat party by yeah. accidentally having a cocktail of just all they sorts of drugs. They do King's Cup of actual drugs. Pharmaceuticals. And accidentally inject somebody like with they, it. Like, they were going to pretend to do it, but then they actually did. It was like, if you're going to pretend to inject somebody with something, just put, put like, sugar water in the hypodermic yeah. needle. So, just in case, you don't actually inject him with something. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, and it turns him into a really ugly man, and then he decides to start injecting other people with this cocktail to make them also ugly and say, doesn't the world hate you because you're ugly? Come, destroy pretty things with me. And that's their motivation. Yep. And that's it. That's the story. Batman and Robin beat up ugly people. Body politics are not things that we are especially expert on, but but this this made us uncomfortable. So this is my favorite line from it. Suddenly, a deadly hush falls over the group as a man steps from behind the curtain and onto the dais, a man who is undoubtedly the ugliest man in the world. What the... That was actually written. That's like on paper for now and into eternity. God, come on, Finger. Really? Ugh. Oh, but we do get one of my favorite new side characters, uh, Detective McGonagall. Oh yeah, who is like the most racist interpretation of like a of a detective ever because they ha- they write him phonetically Irish, so it's stop, Batman. It's no use. They always get away, but I'm not going to let you get away too. You're under arrest. He always says like, as sure as my name's McGonagall, I'm like, really, you're gonna do that? Like, yeah. and Robin, all Batman and Robin do is just show him up and push him into water and like, you know, put his hat over his eyes and like knock him out. He's the comic relief. It's like it's instead of Bullock, we have McGonagall. Yeah, I do actually think that I think you could almost view him as a proto Bullock. However, I think we need like a Greek signal uh, symbol that we can append to the end of a sentence that says, insofar as intent can be assumed. Mm. Really like that. Anytime we talk about, oh, this is probably like a presaging of this. We can just throw that Greek symbol in there and just say, by the way, we have no idea if they intended this or not. Yeah. The Batman, as sure as my name is McConaughey, I'll get him yet. Just lines like that. Yeah. Uh, come on, folks. I mean, I get things are different, but oh boy. And I also can't take him seriously because he's he's modeled after Charlie Chaplin. He just looks like a blustering Irish Hitler in a bowler hat. Yeah, there's no other way to describe that. He's always smoking cigars. and Yeah, we get uh, the next story is the crime school for boys yeah. with Batman. So Batman sends Robin undercover to detect this crime school for boys that they find out about. And Robin tries to convert all these boys to fair play fans. One of, and one of whom actually is wearing the Jughead hat. Yeah, which I guess is a, a real thing as opposed to it being I, the Jughead hat. I, don't I actually know what it don't is. know if it is because J- Archie is out at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it know might what's just going be like, like I don't think anyone's ever but actually some, established get another, what it looks, what kind of hat that is. Yeah, we get another instance too of comic artists in this era not knowing how to draw children because these look are some fit kids. It's like Gohan right there. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> like, it's, right. it's uncomfortable. So Batman and Robin basically stop this crime school, and in, in the event they stop, also a mob boss. 
But also, they let this dude die. They let Pockets, the guy who runs the yeah. crime school, get shot. I'm going to count that as a body count because Batman's in the skylight watching this happen. He lets that dude get murdered. Yeah. And he says, that's murder, big boy. And it's like, you we're going to let that happen to like catch this guy? You knew he was a mobster. You didn't need any more evidence. Ugh. Just an unfortunate way of handling this, these things. Um, oh, boy. Yep. <laughs> yep. So Catwoman comes back for a whole story all of her own, and oh, goodness gracious, it looks like she raided the Devolver Digital offices and took one of the Hotline Miami masks off the shelf and just decided to put it on. <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. I was waiting for that one. <laughs> It's well done. Like she just snuck into the offices and was like, yeah. mm, this, this one'll do. It's creepy and unsettling and it's possibly covered in blood. I'll put that on and just steal things. Specifically, like on the cover, she is in an orange dress with a red cape and a giant cat mask. A purple cat mask. It's, yeah, and which it's is a, supposed to be black, I'm sure. But... And it's a full cat mask. It, like a full mask. And it's, it's not like a cat mask. It's a mask that looks like an actual anatomically correct cat's yeah. face. Yeah. And it's super weird. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, not okay. And she also starts <laughs> off the issue out of character. There's no like I'm elegantly trying to steal something. She, she like just holds, holds some, it, yeah. Holds gap. She holds a dude up in his house with a gun and it's like, "Give me your jewels and the bales." Uh, my my note for this is, "Holy shit, Catwoman mask!" I think that's all I have. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell is that? Yep. Um, Batman and Robin, of course, have to stop her from also stealing more for the Diamond Syndicate. Hey, look, more McGonagall. Um, yeah. he shows up again to kind of help these guys out um, in his own way like he's running a parallel investigation and Catwoman double crosses the Diamond Syndicate and they try and kill her but Batman and Robin have these like wrist cameras on their right. uh, watches that they you know film confessions and murders on I guess and they get the bad guys you know committing a crime on their wrist cameras and say like you can't do anything we've got you red handed and they also kind of save Catwoman who then, you know, gets the drop on them by kissing Batman. This is the first probably documented uh, Catwoman-Batman kiss. Because I don't is think it? she kisses him on the boat from the first time they meet. Yeah, you're probably right. So that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, and then she she bails after kissing him, and then McGonagall is sent all the diamonds that were stolen by Batman. He's like, hey, you got it. He's like, yeah, whatever, you're my buddy, huh? Whatever, screw you. It's like, oh, McGonagall, you cheap Irish Hitler. But it's it's really weird. And then we also have a panel of Catwoman going like, oh, I wish I was with Batman. It's like, what? Okay. Um, the Batman says a lot of stuff about not being a criminal. It's a big yellow page with Batman and Robin on it just saying, like, don't be a criminal, kids. And that's about it. It's the end of the Batman number three fall 1940 issue. Bill Finger and the Batman editors have strong feelings about both relationships and no, we totally... We've been in a relationship once. We know exactly how to write them. And, oh, we were kids once. We know how to tell kids not to be criminals. Right. It's punching people, going to crime school, and don't doing it. That's basically it, right? Also, um, you have a fiancé, but screw that. Just, this chick's hot, even her, though her cat mask is unsettling. Detective Comics, number 45, November 1940. The Joker's back with a new skill. He plays deadly music. True, but he's also shown at the very beginning specifically playing the violin, Correct. which actually makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think they're taking a lot of inspiration from Sherlock Holmes, just in, in right. part because all of his murders are super like Holmesian. How did he do it? Right. So, uh, so I do think it makes sense that he's playing the violin in the opening. We also get some uh, characterization of Bruce uh, as Batman, saying, "I haven't done, uh, haven't done this since college," you know, and he's pole vaulting and tackling mm -hmm. people. So you get the idea that. 
Bruce Wayne did track and football in college, which is they, weird, but they that's talk not a necessary. little bit like it's. I think mostly it's just yeah. Sports uh, references are easy to turn into jibes, right? And it seems like the Joker is essentially killing off people that he has a vendetta against, as well as tricking these poor gangsters that he's working with into stealing things and then stealing from them. So he's dressing up as a different criminal sending these men out to do jobs and then when they're out on the job coming in as the joker and stealing from them and then disappearing as their boss and going like well we'll try again tomorrow night and he's just doing really weird stuff to these people it's like unnecessary mm -hmm. um also batman has an acid pellet that he melts this gigantic bell jar that the joker has uh just like to kill i'm sure giant guinea pigs and um yeah it's pretty Standard. I mean, he stops Joker from kill, uh, from stealing a thing, and they beat him up on a boat, and then he kind of disappears into the water, and we never see him again, so he's obviously alive, and that's it. So that's the end of the volume that we have for this episode. So I want to start by talking about the, the density of the stories. So one thing that the way that we tend to read, at least the way I tend to read, is me trying to catch up and make sure that I get stuff all read up before we actually record... I tend to sit down and read everything all at once. Uh, it might be just because of that, but reading through this volume of Batman felt a lot longer it did. than like, well, Superman also, stuff. It's also longer. There are more... There are more stories, but I think more than that, I think Superman, looking at some of the, the way panels are laid out, it does feel like there's more momentum. There's, there's also a lot also, more text. There's, there's a lot more text. Uh, the, the Batman stories are a lot busier. They try to do a lot more plot exposition in fewer panels. So you just get these giant text balloons. Right. I think another thing that makes it feels, feel busier is that the word balloons are almost like that kind of thought bubbly. Yeah, it's Even... weird. They they fit around the characters almost as if Bob Kane forgot to leave space for Bill Finger to write. That, but also just in general. Every single word balloon is not just the normal oval that we're right. used to, which They're is what we also see in, in uh, Superman. But you have these, it's, I mean, it's sheep-like. Even the regular uh, word balloons have that kind of fluffy quality to right. them. And it winds up taking a bunch more space as a result. So I think... I think there's there's a lot of story density here mm -hmm. and they're not necessarily better stories for it but i guess there's a little bit more room for them to do like detective type stuff right as long as you're willing to put up with a bunch of extra text um i do think that the and we talked i think we sort of touched a bit on this but the stories aren't bad they're i'd say they're better than the they're Superman better than the stuff we've been reading recently. they are and they're also a little bit better than the, the original batman stuff we covered but they're not much yeah. better and they're also not that yeah they're not that uh captivating though yeah they're not great but they're less i find them less troubling because i have such issues with the idea of authoritarian superman i do too yeah uh, and i agree I'd say they're like either half-assed Sherlock Holmes stories or they're sci-fi fantasy yarns. This is exactly the Batman that I see. This is this is Scooby-Doo Batman. I, I remember you saying that. This but this was, is that, this that is Batman to me. Is just Scooby-Doo stuff. Sco you know, just solving a mystery in twelve pages. Okay. If that's your version of Batman, well, it's the animated series. A decent amount of it. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes in a plot. There you go. The one thing that I found fascinating. And once I started thinking about it, I couldn't I couldn't remove it from my brain. It is rather interesting to realize how many of Batman's quips 
would work as taglines or just general script dialogue in gay porn. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. You hey, look like you no, some I've got there. some. One of them I'm not going to go with, but uh, page 167. Baby, as long as you want it, you're going to get it. Yeah. Page 188. Nice of you boys to line up for me. Mm-hmm. Page 210. It seems I haven't forgotten how to pole vault. <laughs> And that's all I've got for this episode. <laughs> oh boy! Um, I was really tempted to go through and make a giant list, but no, it's not necessary. No. That's as good as it's going to get, really, for you, I think. And I, I, oh god, this was—I'm happy we're done with this. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do one more of these for a while. I think we're going to try and get into some of these other characters to to really get to where we need to be. And um, yeah, I honestly think it would be very fun to jump over to a different character. Yeah. We're also going to be in the process of moving shortly, right. so uh, something that we could just dive in and have a what the hell kind yeah, of episode nice. would actually be really entertaining. Yeah, so we're going to end it right here, and we will see you next time on the next episode of the DC Detectives. DC Detectives can be found on iTunes and Stitcher. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, and our website, dcdetectivespodcast.com. After a year of adventures, they'd settled into a chummy predictability. Batman quipped with all the woodenness of a Stepford superhero. Catwoman's fashion sense was more kitsch than kink. And even Bruce Wayne was boring. Batman had gone from pulps to predictable plots with mad lib story elements. By the time we finished tailing the dull duo, the night sky was starting to brighten into an emerald dawn. Maybe... It was time for a new case.